Matthew 13, 10 through 17. Then the disciples came and asked him, Why do you speak to him, to them, in parables? He answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, You will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they may not look with their eyes, and listen with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them, but blessed are you, your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The word of God for the people of God. The Angus Barn Steakhouse is one of the most famous restaurants in North Carolina. Now, the Angus Barn has been open since 1960. It's been owned and operated by the very same family since 1960. In all of those years, lots of other steakhouses have opened and closed in Raleigh, North Carolina, but the Angus Barn Steakhouse has outlasted all of them. Every night of the week, there's a line to get in the door. It's the kind of place where families make a reservation so they can celebrate special occasions. There are families who have been loyal to the Angus Barn for generations. It's the kind of place where it's not unusual to see somebody suddenly get down on one knee next to the table and pull out a ring and pop the question. The Angus Barn is, is that kind of a restaurant. It has continued to thrive in a competitive market. It has continue, continued to provide excellent service as other restaurants have come and then faded away. A few years ago, somebody asked the owner and manager of the Angus Barn, how do you do it? How do you continue to thrive year after year and decade after decade? And the manager, the owner of the restaurant said, well, that's an easy question to answer. She said, most people think it's about choosing the right cut of meat, and it is important for us to choose the best suppliers and for us to choose the best cuts of beef, she said, but that's not the secret to our success. She said, the secret to success is not choosing the right meat. The secret to success is choosing the right people. She said, we continue to thrive year after year and decade after decade because we only hire, we only employ a certain kind of people at our restaurant. We only hire people who have an eye for details. We only hire people who have an understanding of what it means to provide excellent service. We only hire people who have a, a passion for going the extra mile for our customers. And the interviewer asked the owner, well, how do you find those people? How do you know when you've found somebody who's going to be just the right kind of employee? 
And the manager, she smiled and she said, well, again, that's an easy question to answer. She said, usually I know if I'm going to hire somebody before we even sit down and have the interview, she said, because you see, on days when we're interviewing people, I go outside and I put an empty soda can on the steps leading up to the door of the restaurant, she said, and then I just watch through the window. And if somebody stops and they pick up that soda can, if somebody notices that soda can and then takes the time to grab it and toss it in the recycling bin, then I know that we have a prospective employee. And if somebody doesn't see the soda can, or even worse, if they see it but they can't be bothered to stop and pick it up, she said, well, then that makes for an awfully short interview. I love that piece of insight and wisdom. I love the the things that we can learn from the Angus Barn restaurant in Raleigh, North Carolina. I love the idea that any project, any enterprise, anything we do begins with putting the right people together and assembling our team. That's what we see Jesus doing in this morning's gospel reading. Today we see Jesus as he's assembling his team. So today as we pick up the story, we have a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And as we pick up the story today, the disciples are, are frustrated with Jesus. And the disciples have been following Jesus for a while now, and they have seen Jesus do the most amazing things. They have seen Jesus walking on the water. They have seen Jesus turning water into wine. They have seen Jesus healing the sick and and raising the dead. And the disciples have come to believe that in Jesus they are encountering nothing less than the power and the presence of God. And the disciples are so moved and in awe of what they have seen in Jesus that they want everyone else to have that same experience. They want all the world to encounter encounter God in Jesus the way that they have encountered God in Jesus. And so every day the disciples go out into the countryside and they invite people and they round people up and they gather a great big crowd of people and they bring those people to Jesus so that Jesus will show them the things that Jesus has shown the disciples. All they want is for Jesus to knock the people's socks off. And the problem is day after day after day, Jesus refuses to cooperate with the disciples' plan. There are some days when it seems to the disciples like Jesus doesn't even want any new disciples. There are some days when it seems to the disciples like Jesus is going out of his way to make it hard to become a disciple. Like Jesus is going out of his way to push people away then keep them from signing up for this movement that they're trying to build. For example, one day a rich young man came to Jesus. And this rich young man, he looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, I've heard about you. I've been reading the newspapers. I know the things that you've been doing. And I believe that you have been sent by God. I believe that you have got the power to save me. I want to be one of your followers. I want to be saved. Jesus, tell me, what do I have to do in order to be saved? And Jesus looked at that rich young man and he said, here's what you do. Go and sell everything you own and give the money to the poor. And then come back and you will be ready to be one of my followers. And as the rich young man walks away with his head hanging down, the disciples start grumbling to each other and they say, Jesus, why do you have to keep doing stuff like that? Do you know who this was? All you had to do was ask him to write a check and we could have bought the palace at Auburn Hills and turned it into a megachurch and you could have been the next Joel Osteen. Jesus, why do you have to keep asking people to let go of everything when we would settle for half or maybe even just a tenth of what they have? Jesus, why do you keep pushing 
pushing people away like that. Some days there would be great big crowds of people who come to Jesus looking for healing and looking for miracles. And Jesus, for some reason, refuses to heal anybody and he refuses to do any miracles. Sometimes Jesus just stands up and walks away from the crowd altogether. It drives the disciples crazy. But worst of all, most frustrating of all, is the way that Jesus teaches. When Jesus is up there in front of the crowd, when he's explaining the ways and the love of the God to to the people in the crowd, he never just says what he's trying to say. He's always telling these, these parables, these weird little stories that usually don't make any sense. One day Jesus was talking to the crowds and he said, the the kingdom of God is like a man who went out and planted a, a mustard seed and then it grew into an enormous tree and the disciples said, Jesus, that's not how seeds work. We're fishermen and even we know that's not how seeds work. There was another occasion when Jesus was talking to the crowds and he said, the kingdom of God is like a man who was attacked by bandits. He was robbed and left bleeding and naked by the side of the road and then a Sunday school teacher came walking by And that Sunday school teacher saw the man sitting there and the Sunday school teacher didn't stop and help. Instead, he walked over to the other side of the road to avoid the man. And a little while later, a a pastor came walking by and the pastor saw the man, but the pastor didn't stop to help the man. Instead, he walked over on the other side of the road. And as Jesus is telling this story, the disciples are looking out into the crowds and they are watching people make angry faces. They are watching people stand up and walk away from Jesus. And the disciples say, Jesus, the those people could have, been, could have been disciples. Those people could have been committee chairs. Those people might have been tithers. Do you have to keep alienating our core demographic? Jesus, we are trying to play to the Sunday school crowd. Couldn't you just once, couldn't you just once let the Pharisee be the hero of the story? Just once, Jesus, would it kill you? And then one day Jesus told a story about a farmer who went out and and started scattering seeds. Jesus said the kingdom is like a, a man who went out and he took some seeds and he scattered some on the highway. And then he took some seeds and he scattered some seeds in a big pile of rocks. And as Jesus keeps on going on and on about this farmer who keeps doing things that no sensible farmer would ever do, the disciples look out into the crowds and they see people's eyes starting to glaze over. And they see people's heads starting to droop down in the pews. And they see that Jesus once again is losing this crowd. And so finally the disciples decide enough is enough. It's time for us to stage an intervention. And so when the preaching is over for the day, the disciples corner Jesus. They pull him aside and they say, Jesus, listen, you're killing us here. Jesus, why do you keep telling these stories? Why do you keep talking to people in parables? Don't you know that they can't see who you are when you talk to them this way? Don't you know that they can't understand what you're trying to teach them when you talk to them this way? Jesus, why do you keep teaching in this way? And Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, don't you get it? He says, I talk to them this way so they won't see. I talk to to them this way so they, they won't understand. He says, these parables that I tell, they're my soda can on the front steps. Jesus says to the disciples, as soon as as I start talking this way, I look out into the crowd and I can tell immediately who is going to make a disciple and who's not going to last the distance. He says, there are some people who come to me and all that they want is easy answers. 
There are some people who come to me and they just want to splash around in the shallow waters. There are some people who come to me and all they want is for me to give them a list of rules and tell them who to vote for, Jesus says. There are some people who come to me and I can tell within the first 30 seconds of my parable that they're just going to drift off and lose attention when this gets hard. And if you're going to drift off and lose attention when this gets hard, then we might as well just know that from the get-go because those people should just stay home and not follow me at all. Jesus says, I'm putting together a team. This is not a recruiting seminar. This is a job interview. I am putting together a team, and we're going to do things that are bigger than putting stakes on tables. I'm putting together a team to save the world. I'm putting together a team to shake the foundations of empires. I'm putting together a team to create a world with more peace and more hope. And in order to do that, I need people who are capable of swimming in deep waters. I need people who are interested in wrestling with mysteries. I need people who want to stay up late around the campfire fire arguing about how a mustard seed could ever turn into an enormous tree, Jesus says. I need people who are willing to go that little bit farther. That's why I teach in parables, because as soon as I start talking that way, I know who's going to make it, and I know who isn't going to make it. I need the people who are willing to swim in the deep waters. Have you been swimming in deep waters? Or have you been splashing around in the shallow end? A lot of people do. A lot of followers of Jesus spend our whole lives in the church just splashing around in the shallow end. There are so many people who go to Sunday school for a few years, and we go to confirmation classes for a few months, and then on confirmation Sunday we stand up in front of the church and the pastor shakes our hand and gives us a certificate. We hold that certificate up in the air and we say, Look, Ma, I graduated from Sunday school. I know everything there is to know about God now. I don't ever have to go back. There are so many people who spend a lifetime coasting on a handful of commandments and a handshake from the pastor. And then there are the people who are willing to swim in the deep waters. And one of the things that I love about Court Street United Methodist Church, one of the things that so impressed me about this congregation when I came to Flint five years ago was was how seriously this congregation takes the idea that Christian education is not just something for elementary schoolers. Christian education is the work of a lifetime for every disciple of Jesus. One of the things that I love about this congregation is how easy people here have made it for anyone who is ready to leave the shallow end and start swimming in deep waters. There are so many opportunities here to sit at the feet of Jesus and be confused together. That's all discipleship really is. We just sit at the feet of Jesus and get confused together. And if maybe you feel like you've been swimming around in the shallow end and you're ready to go into the deeper waters with Jesus, maybe this year Lent is your opportunity to take that that first step. There are so many ways to do it. We have Sunday school classes and discussion groups that meet at 9 o'clock on the morning, every Sunday morning. Maybe now is a good time for you to get in the habit of coming and being confused with those people every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And maybe this is the year when you make a shorter-term commitment. If you're not ready to say every Sunday for the rest of my life, but maybe Wednesdays for the next few weeks I can go to the potluck and then stick around for the Bible study. Maybe this is the year when you do that. And maybe you're an introvert and all of that sounds terrifying to you. So so maybe what you're going to do is pick up one of the devotional booklets that we've got out in the parlors and take it home and let it take you to places in the Bible that you never would have found on your own. We have people here in the congregation who, who have very informally chosen somebody else in the church or outside the church and said, let's get together for coffee every once in a while and just talk about mustard seeds together. There are so many ways to swim out into the deep waters when you're ready to do that. Maybe this is the year. 
Maybe now is the time when you're going to leave the shallow end, go out into the deep waters and discover that no matter how much we study, no matter how much we learn, no matter how long we spend at the feet of Jesus, God has always got something new to show us. Let's pray. God, help us to believe. Help us to understand that no matter how many years we spend doing all of these things, we will never reach the end of you. We will never see everything there is to see of you. We will never understand all there is to know about your ways. We will always stand in awe and wonder of your unbreakable love. God, we pray. God, we pray that you would create within us a desire to go deeper, to wrestle with mysteries, to believe in impossible things, that we might become the people, the people Jesus can use to heal creation and save the world. All these things we pray in Jesus. Amen.